you got your worship guide, there's a couple of these scriptures that, that I want to show you specifically, and then some of them you'll see on there that I, uh, let me grab my podium here, that, that I just left on there as uh, after-party scriptures. Meaning some of these you can, after this party's over, you can read them at your house. And you can look at them this week. You know, all, all the time I get people, they say, I'd read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. Well, that's why if you've got a worship guide, you can start right there. You could just go back over some of those things uh, that, that repetition is good. Repetition is not a bad thing. And you could actually uh, water that seed that you get on Sunday. So some of these scriptures we're going to go through, some of them that we aren't. Uh, but I want to close out this series. Uh, and now here we have a, a completed vessel. And... Uh, if you've been here, you know we really started with a lump of clay. And God, God gives each one of us our life. He gives us a lump of clay. And the Bible says that, that God formed us out of the clay, breathed life into us. So we started with a lump of clay. And then we, we worked some things out of the clay because God says, listen, even though I've given you this starting point, you're going to have to flee youthful lust. You're going to have to get some things out of you so that I can do some things in you. So we spent a Sunday working the clay. And then we spent another Sunday with a wheel up here and actual what we started forming. And we used water and, 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 and our, our ceramics here uh, began to form and fashion this vessel. And then last week we put it in the fire and uh, now it's out of the fire. So I didn't fire this thing, but this, this would be a completed vessel. And the reason that we've gone through this series is because uh, God told Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go uh, down and see the potter. He says, and once you're there at the potter's house, you're going to see him working on a wheel. And as the clay is in the potter's hands, so are you in my hands. And the way that he works the clay, he says, that's the way I want to shape and mold you into a vessel. The reason we called it Vessel of Honors in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy, he says, listen, God's got a great big house. In that house, he said, there's vessels for honor, there's vessels for dishonor. And he says, if you'll prepare yourself, then the master will use you. He'll make you a vessel of honor. So we've gone through the whole process from clay until now we've arrived at this stage right here. And there's, it's taken a lot, a lot of steps to get us to this point, a lot of effort. And uh, actually, there's one part of the verse that I didn't show you. Uh, in Jeremiah chapter 18, if you'll put it up there, Christian, it's not even in your worship guide, but it actually says that, that the clay that, that was being formed by the potter, that there was a point in the process that it was marred. In other words, and then he says, and then the potter mushed that pot down and made it over again. And that just means for you and I that there's times in our life where, where we're making or we're trying to do our own thing or go our own way. Sometimes even, even in Christianity, you serve God for a little while, but, but you never really got to that place. So God says, listen, he says, I can start all over. And some of us have had to start all over. I'll tell you, uh, uh, there was prayers that I prayed where I said, God, this is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to serve you. I'm going to follow you. And, but I would fall off. I would, I would not, not, not follow through with it. And then God, he, was, he would bring me back to that wheel and, and he would reshape me or he would remold me. But finally, once I submitted to the process of, all right, God, I'm giving you my life. I'm going to rid myself of some things. I'm going to work some things out of me. I'm going to allow the water of the Holy Spirit to baptize me, to clean me. I'm going to allow you to form me on the wheel. And then I'm going to allow you to put me in the furnace. Then that's where all of us, we wind up at this point right here. But, but the point of today is, is if you got your worship God, I just want you to write a couple of words. And the first one is use somewhere on there. U S E. Because the purpose of today is, is, is once we get to this point, it's for use. This vessel right here is designed for use. Now, even though it may be pretty, God, 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 will, God will make you pretty and he'll do some great things in your life, but God's not interested in you just being a show, uh, a showpiece or a trophy. Specifically back in Bible times, whenever they were making pots like this, it wasn't just to put in, in, in their, how many, how many of y'all have an entertainment center, right? That's where I got this one out of. 
And for some reason, I don't know, I guess it's a decorating thing. This was not even sitting in my entertainment center. Apparently, it's more fashionable for it to be on its side. I don't know. Don't ask me. My wife had this sitting up in our entertainment center on its side like this, on display. And it was dusty. How many of y'all got dusty stuff in here? Don't lie. Yeah. So, so it's, just, it's just on display. But, but I submit to you, God doesn't take you out of the earth and form you and fashion you and, and have you get rid of some things and work in you and, and baptize you and then put you in the furnace of the Holy Spirit just so that you'll be on display. This, this pot here, this vessel here is actually, it's been meant or it's been designed for use. So the whole point of the series up until this point was not just to make you clean and shiny and pretty. This thing here, it was designed to use, and it was designed to, 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 to be filled. And I'm going to mention these three words all throughout here. It's designed to be filled, it's designed to carry, and it's designed to pour. That's what this vessel's for. It's designed to be filled up. God desires to fill you up. He desires for you to carry something, and then he desires to pour you out. And then you go back to him, he fills you up. You carry something, and then he pours you out, or you pour yourself out. I told you at the beginning of the series that every person in here, your life's a vessel. Your life's a vessel. God wants to form you and make you into this vessel. You tried to do it your own way. You tried to do this. He mushed that thing down and made it back up his way. But now that he's got you and he's brought you through all of these stages, the, 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 the end result is God wants to use you. And sometimes I think people think, well, God wants to use pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists. He wants to use uh, the, 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 the ministry gifts in the Bible. No, no, no. God wants to use you. He wants to do a work in you. He wants you to go out into the harvest field that's ripe and ready for harvest. He wants to send you on divine assignments. You say, yo, I work in the plants, or, or I do this, or I'm a stay-at-home mom. God knows exactly what you do. Whenever Jesus approached Peter, Peter's fishing. Wasn't exactly a preacher, right? And Peter had some issues, man. Peter was all jacked up, right? He was a hothead. He had a temper. And uh, he, he, he had some problems. And yet Jesus approached him. He said, uh, follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, Jesus said, I understand that you're a fisher. I understand that, that that's your occupation, right? I understand you're a teacher, an engineer. I understand that, that this is what you do. But he says, what I'm wanting to do is, is not just see you or you see yourself as an occupation. He says, I want you to become a fisher of men. Why don't you come and follow me? And the Bible says that Peter, he left. He forsook his business, his family. He left all of that. And God made him a fisher of men. So we're wrapping up this series here, uh, just to, I, I want to talk to you about what it means to be filled, what it means to, 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 to allow God to, uh, to fill you, for you to carry, but then also God wants to pour you out. And uh, we serve a God who pours. It's kind of fitting that today, because it's been pouring all day. I got up this morning about 5.30, I guess, because the lightning woke you up. How many of y'all know the best part about lightning is your kids come get in bed with you? Right? Right? I mean, you're just like, oh, this is nice. But then all of a sudden you hear, that's footsteps running. Why? Because, and out comes Ansley, right? In her little nightgown, running in there, got her little blankie, and she's up in bed, right? She's like, I'm scared. And I'm like, I'm loving it. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I was like, what's there to be scared about? This is, this is, I mean, this is what you wait for. It's just like, oh, man, it's raining so nice. So she comes in, snuggles all up. But then I get up, go make me a cup of coffee, and I go sit on the back porch just to watch the show. I just want to watch the show, man. It's just pouring just rain is just coming down and the lightning would flash and it was so cool because there was times when it would flash you could actually it would illuminate the rain so you could see the lightning in the drops I don't know if that's a good way to describe it but I just sat there and just watched him pour just watch the rain pour well we serve a God God wants you to pour 
But, but we serve a God who pours. And, and the, the Bible says that, he says in Joel chapter 2, he says, I want to pour out my spirit on all flesh. He says in Malachi chapter 3, put Malachi chapter 3 up there, verse number 10. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. He says, and then prove me now in this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven and what? Pour. Everybody say pour. What's he going to pour out? He says, my desire is to pour out a blessing upon you that you don't have room enough to receive. The Bible says that because of God's mercies, we aren't consumed and they're new. Every morning, God wakes up and he pours out on you his mercy. You think, oh, man, I'm a horrible human being. I shouldn't have done that. Every morning you wake up, God's got a new vessel of mercy. And he says, I'm going to pour out my mercy on you. He says, he says, I'll take your sins. I'll gather up your, your sins. I'll remember them no more. And he says, I'll pour them in the sea of forgetfulness. I mean, I'm glad about that. Apparently, there's an ocean of forgetfulness. And he says, I'll take your sins and I'll pour out your sins into that ocean. Jesus actually said, he says, no man takes my life. He says, I give it. He says, my life is poured out as a ransom for you. Jesus actually said, he says, I actually, he says, I pour out my life. He says, I pour out my soul. Put, put this one up. Uh, put Isaiah chapter 53, verse, verse 12 up. I told you I'm not going to go through all of these. Some of these are for your after party at the house on Monday morning. After party. Sometimes after party is better than the real party. You get up and go through some of these. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 12, it says, because he what? He poured out his soul unto what? Unto death. He says he was numbered with the transgressors. Last one I'll give you. It says Matthew chapter 26, verse 28. I love this one. Matthew 26, 28. This is my blood of the new covenant which was shed. My translation actually says, it says it was poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. So we serve a God who pours. He says, I'll pour out my blessing. I'll pour out my mercy. He says, I'll pour out forgiveness here. He says, forgiveness of sins. He says, I poured out my soul unto death. And then he also says, he says, I pour out my blood. I mean, I'm glad about that. Come on, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that every day whenever I wake up, he pours out his blood on the mercy seat, on the, on, the, on the altar for me, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own precious blood. He entered once into the holy place. He obtained, he obtained eternal redemption for us. How did he do that? He took out his blood. He poured it on the mercy seat. So he says, now I don't see your transgressions or your sins. He says, all I see is the blood that was poured out for you all. So we serve a God that's willing to pour. And whenever he pours it out, the reason that he's pouring it out is he's looking for a vessel to pour it into. Right? I mean, Jesus is not just going around pouring this stuff on the ground. No, he's looking for a vessel. What kind of vessel? He's looking for a vessel of honor. How do we get that vessel of honor? He says, well, I'm looking for somebody that, that's been fashioned or formed out of the clay, whose spirit's been breathed into him, who's been baptized and washed, who's been through the kiln, through the fire. Now I'm willing to, to pour out my blessing, my anointing, and make each one of us carriers. Right, so down on the inside of you, you're a vessel, right? Some of us, our vessels are bigger than others, right? Due to ice cream and things of the like. It's just part of it. But God's designed us to carry this stuff that he's poured out on us. He wants you to carry faith, hope, love, peace, forgiveness, long-suffering, patience, gentleness, kindness, he wants you to be a carrier of that. Whenever you walk into the room, he wants, he wants the atmosphere of that room to change. Right? Whenever Jesus sent out the 70 disciples, Jesus, he had 12, but he poured his life into those 12. 
And then he, he multiplied. He went from 12 to 70. Jesus poured his life into those 70. But there came a point when Jesus came up and he stood up to the 70. He says, now, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to carry what I've given you. And he says, everywhere you go, he says, I want you to be the salt of the earth. I want you to be a light on a hill, a city on a hill. He says, I want you to go out. And then you remember, he tells them what to do. He says, you're going to go out. He says, you lay hands on the sick, they'll recover. He says, they'll speak in new tongues. You cast out devils. He says, the same stuff that I'm doing, he says, I want you to go out and do those things. And he says, they'll even be greater than what I've done. Or in other words, he says, he says I'm, a, I'm one person who's multiplied myself to 12, who's multiplied myself to 70. Now, if you 70 will go out, you're going to do the same exact stuff that I got. You're going to carry the same sap that's in the vine, is in the branches. The same fruit that I got, he says, I'm anticipating or I'm expecting you to go out and carry that same sap. You're a vessel. I've formed you. I've fashioned you for three years. I've poured my life into you. And now I want you to carry faith, hope, and love. I want you to carry this stuff. And I want you to go out and the same stuff that I do, I want you to do. How many of y'all know what happened? They actually did it. They went out, flooded out into the streets, and they began to do this stuff. And then how many of y'all remember whenever they came back? They came back to Jesus amazed. And they were like, holy potatoes. I cannot believe this. They said, Jesus, we went out and did the same stuff that you were doing. We were doing it. And they said, even the devils, even demons are subject to us. How many of y'all remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, that's nothing. He says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He says, the, the same stuff. He says, you can continue to do this. What's the point? God, God fills us, not so that we can go on a shelf, right? Not so that we can wear a 19-piece suit and strut around at church like a peacock. No, no, God, God doesn't do these things in us. He does these things in us so that we can go out and do what he does and say, hey, you need help? Hey, you, hey your, your house is flooding right now? I'll help you make sandbags. I'll do it. I'll do it. I got to do it. Hey, you need this? You need this? And we listen to the Holy Spirit, and he wants us to pour ourselves out, right? Jesus is, he's willing to pour. And the only thing he says is, once I do this work in you, he says, I'm, I'm wanting you to go out and pour yourself out. But you have to have something to pour. And if you remember, after Jesus sent these the 70 out, Peter and John were going to the temple. What's the temple? They're going to church. They were headed to church. And as they're going to church, there was a beggar sitting there begging. And he's begging. He's asking for alms. He's saying, money for the beggar? I don't know if that's how he sounded. Money for the beggar? Or who knows? But he's, he's shaking his can or he's wanting money for, from, from these disciples. And these disciples have been sent out by Jesus. How many of y'all know what they told him? They looked at this beggar and he said, look at us, look at us. They said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I'll give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Take up your bed and walk. And all of a sudden, this lame person who had been lame, the Bible says from birth, his ankle bone connected to his hip bone, hip bone connected to his, come on somebody. Leg bone, not thigh bone, there you go, there you go. I don't know anatomy. Yeah. They, they, they received strength. Why? Well, because they did. They said, listen, I'm not carrying silver and gold. But really, I, what you need is not silver and gold. But such as I have, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, take up your bed and walk. And he did. They responded. They carried what they had. Now I know that I know that a lot of times whenever you talk like this, people think, yeah, but yeah, but they're apostles or they're prophets or that stuff. Listen, all I'm saying is if you and I will come out of the kiln and say, God, fill me up and use me, He'll use you, He'll find ways to use you that maybe you haven't considered. 
And, and, and if you're willing to do that, I promise you, he'll find ways. But you have to have some give ID. In other words, you have to have, you have to be carrying something. So I'm going to give you two or three things, actually four things I'm going to give you this morning about how to stay full. How to stay full. Because I think everybody, everybody recognizes and you understand, listen, God doesn't make us a vessel just so that we'll be pretty. He doesn't make us a vessel to put us on a shelf. He makes us a vessel so that he can pour into us. And he wants us to carry some things. But you got to have some give ID, right? So, well, well how are we going to get our give ID? How, how are we going to uh, get full? How, how are we going to get this stuff into, into us? So there's four things, if you've got your worship guide, about how, how to get full or how to stay full. Because I don't want any of you to leave empty, right? I don't want any of you to feel like, well, man, I got, I got baptized and I got the fire. And, the, and I've, I've rid myself of some sin and, and now I'm this beautiful thing. No, I, I, want you to, I want you to leave out of here and feel like, you know what? I believe God will use me this week and use me here and use me there. And this is what God wants to do. So I'm going give to you, give you a few things. And the way that I put it in there is just consistent. Consistent. The Lord's really been dealing with me the past couple weeks about myself. Personally, I'm preaching to me right now. So, so don't worry about you. I'm preaching to me about being more consistent. Or in other words, as we're building this building, I've been, I was pretty busy, right? I mean, I would get up. You know, I was here at the property from dark to dark. And I was always having to deal with all this uh, contractors and all this kind of weird stuff. And my schedule was just all over the place. But the past week or two, the, the Lord said, you need to get back on your schedule, or you need to get back on being consistent because for the past 10 months, you've just kind of been running just live action, right? Just running with a head with the chicken cut off. He says, now it's time for you to get back and get recentered and refocused to where you get up at this time, you do this at this time, you go to bed at this time and bring yourself back to a place of alignment, so, so I'm calling it consistent, that if you'll, if you'll be consistent in these four areas, then, then you'll be full. Because how many of y'all know you leak? You leak. The reality is, it, it, is you leak. So, but, but you can get full or you can stay full. So, so the, the first one is, is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm about to lose this jacket because it's hot. I don't really wear jackets a whole lot, and this is why. Because I sweat like a pig. I got it, Christian. Thank you. Jeez. Are y'all hot? You are? You're hot? Christian, turn some air on if you don't mind. Are some of, I'm sorry. Are some of the ladies cold? Y'all are, aren't you? I knew it. See y'all like reptiles. It's like cold-blooded animals. My wife's the same way. I'm cold. It's like, get your butt off of me. I'm cold. All right. Thank you, Christian. We'll do it just a little bit. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, be not drunk with wine, but be what? Everybody say filled. He said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He says, speaking to yourself, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. New King James says, uh, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself or to others. The most important conversation you'll have every day is a conversation you have with yourself. The most important conversation you're going to have is what are you saying to yourself? What are, you, what are you talking about to you? What is, what is you? How do you feel about you? Because this has a lot to do with whether or not you're going to be filled. And he says, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Now, those are all real churchy. But, but the, way I, well, the way I think about it is, and in your worship guide, you could put your words in your worship. If you're going to be somebody that's full, if you're going to be somebody that's carrying something, you're going to have to be consistent with the words that you speak, and you're going to have to be consistent with your worship. Because he says, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made you meet to be partakers. That, that there's this giving of thanks, which is your worship, but also you have to speak to yourself 
in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. David was a man after God's own heart, and he was a worshiper. Not only was he a worshiper, but, but he spoke uh, a divine things. So this is real practical now. I'm going to be real practical with you. And some of you, if you've been around me very much, uh, you, you know that this is, I, I usually have some little cards that I carry, and these are things, things that I speak. Uh, this is actually not cards. This is, this is sheets. I was reading this this morning. That's a flood warning. It's about to flood up in here. In Jesus' name. This is, this is one of the ways that I stay full because I leak. My kids make me leak. My beautiful wife makes me leak money. Finances makes me leak. All different types of th things just drain stuff out of you. God wants you to stay full. He says, well, how do you, how do you stay filled with the Spirit? Ephesians 5.18, he says, speak to yourselves, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So, so the way that this looks for me is this just says daily confessions of faith. And it's personalized. It says, I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I've been born again. God is my very own father. I'm his very own child. I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are brand new. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I know I have eternal life. The very life and nature of God is in me. By the blood of Jesus, I overcome the works of the devil. So what this looks like for me is, is either, either I'm doing this in my private time or there'll just be times whenever I'm driving in my car and scriptures come to me and I start speaking to myself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So for me, I say, today I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. There's nothing that I can't do. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. God, you supply all of my needs, everything that me and my family need today. You supply everything that we need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God, today I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have right standing with you. I don't have any sense of guilt or shame or inferiority. I can come boldly into your presence. I can come right right to the throne of grace. And you said that I could obtain help in the time of need. Holy Spirit, you're my helper, my comforter, that you lead me and guide me. You're my attorney today. You're my lawyer. You help me to win in every case. Everything that's brought up against me, Holy Spirit, you're my advocate. You teach me how to win. And if you don't know a bunch of scriptures, I don't. I just read right off of this paper. But as I'm reading, I say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Jesus said that you never leave me. You never forsake me. So boldly I can say the Lord is my helper today. God, I thank you that you helped me today. You helped me be a good husband. You helped me to be a good dad. You helped me to be a good pastor. God, you show me uh, if there's forks in the road, you help me to take the right turn in the road. What am I doing? Filling up. I'm just filling up. I just pull up to the pump. Why? Because I, I run, I get on E. But God doesn't, want, God doesn't want you to run on E. Ephesians 5.18, read it again. He says, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to who? Yourselves. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Make a melody in your heart to God, giving thanks. So after I talk to myself a little bit, talk about how great I'm going to have, what if you're having a lousy day? Well, I just don't allow me to talk about lousy days. Say, God, I'm not going to have a lousy day, even though I got four bald tires and my refrigerator broke. God, you're going to supply all of my needs today. What am I doing? Filling up. And then it says, then my, with my worship. If you want to be full, if you want to stay full, I'm telling you, the most important conversation you'll have will be with your words. And, it, and it, the thing is, people usually do really well with this on Sunday. Isn't it easy to do on Sunday? Sunday's, Sunday's easy, isn't it? Why? Because Marlisa's leading you. I worship you. <laughs> so easy. You sing. She'll tell you. Lift your hands. Worship. She, da, 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 da. How many of y'all know it's not as easy on Tuesday with your boss? You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Oh, my gosh. I just can't. Right? Tuesday, Wednesday. Why? So you have to be consistent. If you want to be full, if you want to be a vessel of honor, if you want to be used by God, listen, if you're a container, everywhere you go, you're carrying faith, hope, love, patience, goodness, soundness. That's what you're carrying. Or you're carrying depression. Anxiety. 
This is such a great key. I have a lot of people that say, pray for my anxiety, pray for my depression, pray for this, pray for this. Listen, God, this, this, this is the answer. It's not my prayers for you, and I'll pray for you a thousand times a day if I have to. But, but the real answer is for you to speak to yourself. It's for you to speak to your mountain. Jesus said, if you'll speak to your mountain and, and command it to be cast into the sea, he says, your mountain will obey you, not your pastor. Listen, and I'm not talking myself out of a job. I'm trying to help you so that you can be full and you can stay full. Stay consistent with your words, consistent with your worship. Number two is consistent in your pursuit of God. And you're going to have to fight for this one. I can tell you, there's a thousand reasons for you not to come to church, right? You're, you're, they're, 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 every, every Sunday, there'll be things that come up. There's reasons for you not to be a part of small group. There's reasons for you not to be in community. There's reasons for you not to, uh, not, not to spend time with God. That, but you'll have to, if, if you want to be full, if you want to be a vessel, you'll have to fight to, to keep God centered, and I'm telling you, I understand that this is not all the time easy. And if, if, let's read this verse that you got there in front of you. It says, I like it in the Message Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul, he says, if I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted overly serious, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word. In everything that we do, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. What's he saying there? He said, listen, Jesus needs to be a part of every decision that you make. He needs to be the focus or the center. He needs, that's why, that's why we have church every seven days. Is because usually, myself included, throughout the week, we've gotten a little bit off center. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. We just have. Our, our kids get us off center, our jobs, our bills, our entertainment, our hobbies. Things get us off center. So on Sundays, we come back together and we realign. That, that's what we do. That's why, that's why every, every seven days is what the Bible calls the Sabbath, right? And we come together and we realign or we recenter, we refocus. How many of y'all are, are you, you like things centered? How many of y'all, you go over to people's house and if they have a, a crooked picture frame, it drives you crazy. They're talking to you, wanting prayer and stuff, and you're just like... Oh my God, I gotta fix that picture frame. So you like distract them so that you can fix it. You're like walking by and you're like elbowing it because it's just driving you nuts. You, you have to have it, you, you have to have that thing balanced or that thing centered, right? Why? Or it's just a little bit off. Whenever I was planting roses out here in front of the church, I'm like trying to get the left side to match the right side, right? I'm wanting my roses. I'm trying, I'm even wanting them to grow a certain way so that they'll, it'll match and this side will be centered to the right side. And, and there's effort involved in that. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of effort for you if you're going to stay full, if you're going to be a vessel and God, you're going to have to make God a real priority. Our country is, is really interesting. I mean, I'm keeping up with all the politics. Even if you aren't keeping up with it, it's like you don't have a choice because on every channel, every channel is like consumed with the, with the political thing. But how many of y'all know we've had, we've had Republicans and we've had Democrats? We've had basically all of them in the administration at one point. How many of y'all know we really aren't that great off? Right? And, and the reason is, is because, and I put it in your worship guide, in the 50s, 40% of people went to church every Sunday. Why? Because there was a, there was a centering there. People were centered on God, 40%. Now, in 2016, 18.3% of people attend church every Sunday. The average is they come once a month. So, so, so the answer, how many of y'all know the answer for, for our country is not a new administration? 
The answer for our country really is for people to get back centered and to say what Paul said here. He's like, every decision we make, we make with God in mind. Every decision that you should make, you should think about how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect my kids spiritually? And if you'll be consistent in your pursuit of God, if you'll be consistent in your worship, you'll be, you'll be consistent with your words, then you'll find yourself being full, not depressed, not sad, not upset, uh, uh, not stressed out, you'll find yourself, you, you'll, you'll be a carrier and you'll be full. The third thing you got to be consistent in is, is with others. Are you just putting in there relationships? Are God's designed you to herd? Cows herd, sheep herd, fish school, birds flock. How many of y'all know what we're supposed to be? How many of y'all know that God never made a decision by himself. Isn't that weird? Because you would think that God makes all his decisions all by himself. But no, every decision God's ever made, he's got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You need people to help you stay full. You need people to help you with your decision-making processes. The, the, after God had created everything, he says, it, it is good. I've created the whole earth, and it is good. And he says, I created the sun, the sun, the moon, the stars. It is good. I created the light. It is good. I created man. It is good. And then what's the very next verse? He says, it is not good for man to be what? Alone. Really interesting. All of these verses, God's like, it's good. I made this. 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 I made this. And after he created man, he said, oh, it's not good for man to be alone. All of us in here, that's why, that's why here at the church we're trying to do, we're, we're doing the small groups, and this summer we're going to do a little bit of bowling. We may do the, you know, uh, the, the guys, we do our crawfish bowl, our couchon delay. We do men's thing. We do women's thing. We do all these things. Why? Well, why aren't we doing all that? Just to try to herd us together because God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to Laura, wants to speak to Josh. But a lot of times the way God speaks is he puts you in a relationship with people and he speaks through that person to you. In other words, if you aren't relationship, if you aren't in that relationship, you never get that information from God. And it's not that God doesn't want you to have that information. It's just God's designed you to be in relationship with certain people. And if you aren't in relationship with those people, that information never comes. Just like there's some information God's design you to get from church. If you aren't ever in church, then you don't get the information that way. God's always speaking. He's always trying to say things. He's always a wanting to minister to us, but he uses different avenues to get it to us. And one of the avenues that he uses is, is people. He uses, he uses Brandon, like we're going to the men's thing, and we pick up things while we're in the men's thing, but also while we're conversing with each other, we, we pick up on that stuff. At least we're supposed to. That's the way God's designed us to do. God never made a decision by himself. Last one is be consistent in serving or in ministry. Be consistent in your serving or your ministry. Verse number 10 of uh, uh, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, says, Each one of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to what? To serve others in the grace that God's given you in various forms. Under that, I just wrote, God, God, God won't steer a parked car. In other words, I've told you this. People always say, how can I do the will of God? How can I know what God wants me to do? Uh, and, and the simple answer is if you'll get doing some stuff, God will steer you. But if you don't do it, if you don't do it, you're just a parked car. Well, God didn't design you to be a parked car. He designed you to, to as you're moving, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, if you aren't ever getting involved, you aren't ever stepping, you aren't ever moving, then there is never any direction coming your way. That's why we have go team. We have different things. Why? Just to help you take steps because once you start taking a step, then, then God will come alongside and he'll steer you and he'll move you 
like a river. He'll, he'll move you and he'll get you to that place that you need to be. But I, I know that this is tough. Listen, if I had my way just for me personally, if it was just me personally, I would probably be one of those guys that would just kind of like slip in to church. How many of y'all know they just slip in, sit on the back row, listen to the preaching and the teaching, say amen, right, right? Put, put, put my tithes and offerings in the bucket, and then just slip out. How many of y'all like that? And I know you probably think, you think, oh, but, but you're always talking to people. You're always doing anything. Yeah but, yeah, but if it was just me personality-wise, probably, I would probably, I would really enjoy just to slip in. Hello, I'm here. Jesus, I'm here. Here you go. And then just slip out. But God's best blessings don't come that way. God fills us so that he can empty us. He fills us so, so, that, so that he can pour us out. There, there's one passage I wanna, I wanna give you this morning, and uh, it's a guy named Hezekiah. It's in 2 Kings. If you'll turn to 2 Kings chapter 18, if you got your Bible, if not, they're gonna put it up on the screen behind you. One, to me, one of the most fascinating passages in the Old Testament. Hezekiah is a king and I'll just read it to you. We're going to skip, skip around just a little bit, Christian. You're going to have to keep up because there's a couple of these verses I'm going I'm to skip. 2 Kings chapter 18. Everybody say consistent. God wants you to be consistent. If you'll be consistent, he'll fill you. If he fill you, then you'll be useful. And if you're useful, then he'll pour you out on people. And, and you'll, be, you'll be satisfied beyond just natural satisfaction. Second Kings chapter 18, verse number two, I'm gonna read it in New Living. It says, Hezekiah, or he was 25 years old when he became king. I mean, I think it'd be interesting to become king of a nation at 25. What would you do if you became king at 25? Can you imagine being those guys that become king at like 10? Wouldn't that be horrible? It, would be horrible. it wouldn't be horrible if it was you, but I can just imagine if I was 10 and they made me king, what would that look like? We would have like sugar castles. Oh, I would have those bullies. They would be my little helpers. 10 would be interesting. 18 mentioned by 25, though Hezekiah, he becomes king. Maybe he's worked out some of this stuff, some of this selfish type stuff, because it says by the time he's 25, he reigned in Jerusalem for 29 years. So for almost 30 years, Hezekiah, he's, he's king. He reigned, lived in Jerusalem. All right, Hezekiah was 25 years old. He became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. Who can tell me how old he was? 54. Y'all got it? Verse number three, it says, he did, Hezekiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight just as his ancestor David had done. Skip down to verse five. Verse number five, it says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. Verse number six, it says, he remained, what? Steadfast. He remained faithful to the Lord. Underline that in your worship, God, if you don't mind, if you've got a pen. Hezekiah, he remained steadfast or faithful to the Lord in everything that he did. And he carefully obeyed all the commandments that the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was what? The Lord was with him. Why was the Lord with him? He says he remained faithful in everything that he did. He, 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 he honored and served God. He obeyed God. The Lord was with him. Look, look at this next thing I want you to underline. It says, and Hezekiah was what? He was successful in everything that he did. I mean, I want that to be your testimony at the end of your life was, I was successful in everything that I did. I want you to see that your success is intertwined with your faithfulness. Success in life is dependent upon how full you are. 
Saying, God, fill me. Pour out uh, uh, your blood upon me. Pour out your blessing upon me. Pour out your mercy upon me. Pour out your forgiveness on me. I want to be, be a carrier of that. And I want to be faithful with that. And I want to obey you. I want to serve you. And because of that, God says, I'm going to make you successful. Hezekiah is successful in everything you did. And the Bible says there, he says that there was no one before him. And there was no one after him that was like him. What made him so different? He was consistent. He was consistent. He was consistently serving the Lord, honoring the Lord, following the Lord, pursuing the Lord. And because he was consistent, he was successful in everything that he did. Now, after 29 years of living for God, serving God, being consistent to God, not being up and down, roller coaster. He, he, was, he was on point with God for 29 years. Skip over to Isaiah chapter 38. Let's see what happens to him. Isaiah chapter 38, verse number 1. I'm going to read it in the message, Bible. I like it in the message. Isaiah chapter 38, verse number 1. It says, at that time... Hezekiah got what? He got sick. How many of y'all know good things happen to, I mean, bad things happen to good people? How many of y'all know you can serve God, obey Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength? Nobody be like you before you and nobody after you. You give God 110% for, third, for 29 years. And this guy's a leader. He's responsible for not just himself, his family. He led the whole nation. And if you read about his life, that they had set up all of these idols and all these towers and these asher poles. They actually started worshiping the bronze serpent and Hezekiah came in and for 29 years he tore down all of these false idols all these things that people were worshiping and that were pursuing Hezekiah came in and demolished all those and he reinstated worshiping God worshiping Jesus not Jesus Jesus wasn't there yet but he and he reinstituted the, their worship of Jehovah 29 years he, he was faithful he obeyed, and yet now he gets terminally ill. Terminally. The, 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 he's terminally ill. It says, And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, visited him and said, God says to you, watch what the prophet says. You've got to be careful. A prophet comes to talk to you. Prophets are rough. The prophet comes to him. He says, Prepare your, your affairs and your family. This is it. You're going to die. Isn't that encouraging? Don't you want people from the church to come over to your house and tell you that? This is it. Prepare yourself. You're a dead duck. I'm leaving. And that's basically what Isaiah did. Isaiah says, get your affairs ready. Get, get your house in order. This is it. You're going to die. You're not going to get well. Not a lot of hope in that. How I many of y'all know Isaiah, Isaiah was batting a thousand? If Isaiah said it, you can make book on it, baby. You can count on it. If Isaiah said you're going to die, he's 100 prophecies out of 100 prophecies. All of them came true if Isaiah said it. So Isaiah comes into this man's house. He says, after 29 years, you've done this, 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 and this. But get your house ready. You're not going to get better. You're going to die. Verse number two, it says, but Hezekiah turned away from Isaiah. And facing the wall, he prayed to God, God, please, I beg you. Have you ever had a prayer like that before? He said, God, I beg you. God, I need help. I'm in a bind. God, I, God I, need, I, need, I need help. He says, remember how I've lived my life. I've lived what? Faithfully. He said, God, I want you to remember how I've lived my life. I've lived consistently in your presence. I've lived faithfully in your presence. Day after day, week after week, year after year, decade after decade, for 29 years, I've been faithful to get in your presence. I beg you, remember how I lived my life. How many of y'all know what we do most of the time? I'm just speaking for me. Whenever, whenever, whenever we get really bad news, a lot of times we barter with God. Or we say, God, if you get me out of this jam, oh man, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. God, if you, if you let the judge, oh God, if you let the judge be favorable to me, 
Oh, God, oh, God, I'll serve you. How many ever said, don't, don't raise your hand. How many ever prayed that prayer before? I have like, like 19 times. Right? Oh, God, oh, God, I want to go to prison, right? I don't want to do this. I don't want to, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And, and really, in, in all seriousness, people get sick, and they say, oh, God, oh, oh God, please, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. But, but rather than saying that, he was able to say, God, I've been consistently in your presence for 29 years. Remember how I've lived. And Hezekiah, he wept as he prayed. He says, you've seen how I've lived, the good that I've done. I want you to underline that if you've got a Bible worship guide. It says, I want you to remember how I've lived, and I want you to see how the stuff that you've given me, my life's been a vessel. And I didn't just keep it. I wasn't just showcased, but I used my life and I poured it out and I did good for you. He says, you've seen how I've lived, the good that I've done. Hezekiah wept as he prayed, painful tears. Look at verse four. And then God told Isaiah, go and speak with Hezekiah. Give him this message from me. God, the God of your ancestor, David. So Isaiah turns back around. He goes in there. He finds Hezekiah. He says, God wants you to know I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Here's what I'll do. I'll add 15 years to your life. And I'll save both you and this city from the king of Assyria. How, how did this guy get to that point? 29 years, he's doing the right stuff, and yet this stuff comes into his life. Tragedy comes into his life, but he's able to go to God. He says, God, I want you to remember the good that I've done, the life that I've lived. I've been consistently pursuing you in your presence, and God said, that's right. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. So the last question that I put on your worship guide is, if God were to give you 15 extra years, should he? Kind of a pointed question for a Sunday morning, right? If you were going to sit down with God and, 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 and your life was at stake and you had to ask God, you say, God, I need 15 more years. Would God or should God give you another 15? I mean, I know there's some days you would say, yes, yeah. I've been good today, God. I've been good. I mean, I know there's other days you say, man, I don't know if I should get another 15, just for me personally. I, I, I've had to ask myself this the past couple of days. I say, if God asked me, if I asked God for another 15 years, should he give it to me? Do I deserve another 15 years of oxygen on this planet? Have I been consistent in my worship? Have I been consistent in my words? Have I been consistent in my pursuit of him? Have I been consistent in his house amongst my brothers and my sisters in Christ and my peers? Have I been consistent in my servants of him, in my ministry of him, in my going out and saying silver and gold I don't have, but I do have Jesus and I can give you that. I can I can be that for you. I don't have all the answers, but I can give you the answers that I do have. God, would you give me another 15 years? Well, I'd like to think that he would. But I believe he offers it. I believe that he would offer. I believe, and I mean, I know this is not a formula now. If you get sick or something like, so the pastor said, you're going to give me another 15 years. I did not say that. I said, in this instant, there was a man that was able to stand before God and say, hey, I was, I was, I was in your presence consistently. And because of that, I need more time, and God gave him the time that he needed. Listen, everybody say, I'm a vessel. God wants to fill me. He wants me to carry some stuff, and he wants to pour me out. 